Hello Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. Obviously a great win for us to come, uh, come back after last week. Uh, good response, I think, by our guys. Intensity of practice this week, how we prepared, how we came out and played, uh, performed. I thought that was... That was pretty good for us. Uh, obviously, I thought defensively played really well. Had guys running the football, uh, took advantage, put pressure on them. You know, they're playing backup quarterback, and that's always hard to do. I mean, we know we've 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 been we've been playing. Had, had to play backup quarterback this year, so um, I know that's always tough. Uh, for a team, and I think our defense took advantage of it to keep them in bad situations. That was Florida coach Dan Mullen discussing his team's 56 to nothing win over Vanderbilt on Saturday in the Swamp. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked on Gators. On today's show, we will discuss that shutout victory as I recap my five keys to the game, take out my report card and grade the Gators, and I'll bring you some post-game comments from Mullen and Mahmoud Diabate, who was named SEC Freshman of the Week, Let's start the show off with my five keys to the game. Number one was having success on the ground. That has been an area where the Gators have struggled this season. And based on their previous games, the Gators actually performed better than usual. They had 150 rushing yards against Vanderbilt. That's their second best total against FBS opponents this season. They had 154 rushing yards at South Carolina. Now, they had two rushing performances that were better than that this season, but that was 160 yards against Towson and 231 yards against UT Martin. But against FBS opponents, the Gators have struggled to run the ball this season. They haven't had a 200-yard rushing game. And I thought against Vanderbilt they might have an opportunity because they were giving up an average of over 200 yards per game on the ground this season. And the Gators were able to capitalize on that. Now, they did it in some unconventional ways using their quarterback and wide receivers to get rushing production. But at the end of the day, they finished with 150 yards, and obviously that was enough production for them to have a big day on the scoreboard against the Volunteers. Our second key to the game was having cohesion with the starting offensive line. We figured that there would be a new starting five out there on Saturday, and there was as Ethan White makes his first career start at right guard. He lined up alongside Nick Buchanan and John DeLance. And then you had Richard Garage starting at left guard with Stone Forsythe at left tackle. And that group did a good job for the most part. Just two sacks allowed, but they gave Kyle Trask plenty of time to throw. He sets a new career high with passing yardage. And in the run game, they didn't open many holes for LaMichael P. Ryan and Damian Pierce, but that's because those guys didn't get many carries. Florida's rushing attack was to involve the quarterbacks, involve the wide receivers, and they did a good job executing that, especially to close the game out with the three rushing touchdowns by Emory Jones. And I liked what I saw from freshman Ethan White. He did a good job with his first career start. He was really moving around well out there. And you can see that he's lost a lot of weight. And that's made him a much more effective lineman. So I'm excited to see what he does with the rest of his opportunities this season. And if Florida can continue to build and find some cohesion with their starting offensive line. My third key to the game for Florida on Saturday was third down defense, and boy did the Gators deliver in this department after giving up 12 of 18 third down conversions against the Georgia Bulldogs. They rebounded in a major way against Vanderbilt. They finished the game 3 for 15 on third down, but they started the game 0 for 7. The Gators didn't allow them to move the change on their first seven third down attempts, 
They didn't convert a third down until midway through the third quarter, and Florida was 1-for-12 defending on third down until the last series of the game. They also had six three-and-outs against the Commodores and forced three turnovers in the game. It was just a dominant defensive performance, and they really brought their A game on third down. Talking to Coach Mullen after the game, he said those players kind of took some pride in that going through the week, knowing that they struggled with that against the Bulldogs, and they were able to bounce back in a big way against the Commodores. My fourth key to the game for Florida was containing Vanderbilt running back Keyshawn Vaughn, who had a big game against the Gators last year in Nashville before he left early with an injury. You knew he would come into this game with a chip on his shoulder, and he's been putting up some big numbers this season, but not on Saturday. The Gators held him to a season-low 28 yards on 15 carries. He was able to do absolutely nothing against Florida's defense. He had one carry in the game that went for 13 yards, so the rest of his production was 14 carries for 15 yards. The Gators did an amazing job bottling him up, not letting him get outside, and just completely taking him away from Vanderbilt's offense. That was the focal point of their attack, as it is each and every week. And once they couldn't run the ball, they had no shot in this game against the Gators. And that's how and why they were shut out on Saturday. And another big reason that happened is my fifth and final key to the game, which was getting pressure on the quarterback. And boy, did the Gators check this box. No sacks against Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm in last week's loss, but the Gators made up for it against the Commodores. Coming up with six sacks in this game, Mahmoud Diabate led the way with three sacks. Zachary Carter also got one. Adam Schuler also got one. And David Reese II made a sack as well. Ford had four quarterback hurries in this game. But obviously the play of the day was the strip sack by Diabate, which was picked up by Jonathan Grenard as he scooped and scored 80 yards for a touchdown. And that was the Gators' first defensive score of the season. So a huge play, a huge moment for this defense. And what was also key about that scoop and score on the strip sack is that came after Vanderbilt converted its first third down of the game. They had gotten into the red zone, had a chance to score, obviously. And that's when Diabate came up huge with his third sack of the game. He earned SEC Freshman of the Week, and Jonathan Grenard earned SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. So a huge honor for those two, and a big reason why the Gators got a 56 to nothing win on Saturday. When we come back from this first break, I'll take out my report card and grade the Gators. You're listening to Locked on Gators, your team every day. Welcome back into the show. It's time to grade Florida's performance over Vanderbilt. And we start, as we always do, with the quarterback position. In an A-minus performance from Kyle Trask, he sets a new career high with 363 passing yards on 25 of 37 passing. He had three touchdowns through the air, a fourth on the ground, but he did have two interceptions, and that's what keeps his grade from being an A. Both of them came in the first half. The first came on Florida's second drive as they got into Vanderbilt territory, and he's picked off across the middle. The second one came at the end of the half as he was trying to push it in the end zone, but he was able to shrug it off and come out in the second half, score twice in the first three plays, and he just lit it up with his receivers all day, and he finishes with the most passing yards in a game by a Florida quarterback since Tim Tebow's career finale in the Sugar Bowl at the end of the 2009 season. So that's how long it's been since a quarterback in a Gators uniform put up the passing yards that Trask did on Saturday. He's now thrown for 300-plus yards for the second time in his career, marking just the fifth time that that's happened for a Gators quarterback since the 2010 season. And they've now had five 
300 plus yard passing games this season for the first time since 2002. Emory Jones also got in on the action. You saw him in the first half get some series. He finished with 47 yards through the air on two of three pass attempts. And I mentioned the three rushing touchdowns that he had as well. And both he and Kyle Trask contributed in the run game. I gave the running backs a B minus grade, but that was strictly just based on their production on the ground. LaMichael P. Ryan just had four carries for 13 yards. And that came on a 13-yard run in the fourth quarter. Before that, he had just three carries for zero yards. Now, he did contribute in the passing game, making a team-high four receptions for 28 yards and a touchdown. Really, that was more of an option play that ended up being a chess pass from Trask. But then you look at Damian Pierce. He had just two carries for three yards, did make two catches for 27 yards, including a pretty impressive play in the first quarter where he made the catch and then took a hit and kept running down the sideline. But Florida just didn't get any production from their running backs on the ground. Malik Davis had three carries for seven yards. Naquan Wright, three carries for six yards. Iverson Clement, one carry for five yards. It was really the quarterbacks and the wide receivers that gave the Gators the majority of their rushing production. Kadarius Toney led the way with two touches for 39 yards. Emory Jones had five carries for 34 yards with the three touchdowns. Kyle Trask finished with seven carries for 25 yards and the touchdown, but if you take away his two sacks, he actually had five carries for 35 yards, so he was right at the same average as Emory Jones. And then you have one more wide receiver get involved in the run game as Freddie Swain had two carries for 18 yards. So Mullen and this offensive staff giving touches to a lot of different guys, it kind of makes it hard to grade the run game because if you look at just the running backs, not a ton of production from those guys. But as a whole, this was Florida's second best output against an FBS opponent this season. However, that bar has been set pretty low this year. But the bar is pretty high for these Florida wide receivers and tight ends. And both of those position groups earned an A grade for their performance against Vanderbilt. You had 11 different players who made receptions on Saturday. Trevon Grimes led the way with four catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. He took the first play of the second half, 66 yards to the house. Very reminiscent of Kadarius Toney's touchdown against Miami. And that really set the tone for the Gators the rest of the way as they reel off 28 points in that third quarter and just blew the game wide open. And with that performance from Grimes, the Gators now have seven 90-yard receiving games from five different players this season. Grimes, Kyle Pitts, Van Jefferson, Josh Hammond, and Freddie Swain. That's the most 90-yard outings for the Gators in a season since 2007. Tyree Cleveland had three catches for 51 yards, including an incredible 36-yard diving grab that he made to set up a score. Van Jefferson also caught three balls for 36 yards. Copeland had a pair of catches for 43 yards, as did Josh Hammond for 33 yards. Kadarius Toney made a catch for 10 yards. And then the tight ends got involved. Kyle Pitts once again finds the end zone and finishes with three catches for 59 yards, including a long of 24. And Lucas Kroll got in on the action Saturday, making two catches for 18 yards. And a pretty big milestone for Kyle Pitts as he becomes the first tight end since Jordan Reed to eclipse 500 receiving yards in a single season. And now he's fifth all-time since 1996. Moving to the offensive line, I gave that position group a B performance. Another solid day for them in pass protection. Kyle Trask had plenty of time to throw. You don't set a career high and make all the plays that he did in the passing game. If your offensive line isn't getting it done in pass pro, it was once again the run blocking where the Gators had some issues. 
But on the plays with the quarterbacks and wide receivers, they were able to execute. It was trying to open up holes in the run game for Damian Pierce and LaMichael P. Ryan, where the unit once again struggled. Now, when the offensive line's defense, the coaches didn't really stay at it with their running backs. They decided to incorporate the quarterbacks and wide receivers in the run game, and it paid off as Ford made some big plays. But overall, I thought it was a good performance from this unit. They were able to find some success with Ethan White, and I think that that's a starting five that they can move forward with for the rest of the season. Moving over to the defensive side, hey, when you get a shutout, you guys know my deal. That's A's across the board. This is the third shutout for the Florida defense this season, the first time that that's happened since 1988. Starting with the defensive line, another big performance from TJ Slayton. He leads all defensive linemen with six tackles in this game. And then you had Kyrie Campbell, Jonathan Grenard, Adam Schuler, Andrew Chatfield, Chris Bogle all come up with three stops in this game. Zachary Carter made two stops, including the sack. And you even saw freshman Lloyd Summerall get in on the action as he made one tackle in this game. A big day for the linebackers, led by Diabate. He had those three sacks in the game. James Houston led all Florida defenders with eight tackles. LeCedric Brunson made six tackles in the game. David Reese the second had five tackles and the sack. And moving to the defensive backs, a big day for safety Donovan Steiner. He makes two interceptions in the game, also finishes with three tackles. Sean Davis led all defensive backs with six tackles in the game. Kyir Elam got the start at corner opposite C.J. Henderson. And you also saw Trey Dean getting some work there on the outside corner. He was in on the second series and rotated with Elam throughout the game. Coach Dan Mullen said afterwards that he'll be playing more there outside as Marco Wilson kind of settles in in the star spot. And the secondary shut down Vandy's passing game. Deuce Wallace goes 7 for 18 for 60 yards and an interception. Allen Walters 1 for 3 for 17 yards and also threw a pick. And with two interceptions, in the second time this season that the Gators have had a player record multiple interceptions in a game, Sean Davis also made two interceptions against Kentucky. And last but not least, the special teams got to bring it up as Evan McPherson misses a field goal in this game. Not very often that you see that happen from him. And Florida didn't do a great job with their kickoff coverage either, but neither of those things had any effect on Saturday's game. When we come back from this final break, we'll bring you some post-game comments from Dan Mullen and Mamou Diabate. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team every day. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Florida fans, if you're making your way to Gainesville this fall for UF home games or you're just a sports junkie like me, then I've got the perfect place for you. The Mealy Pop Shop, located off I-75 on 39th Avenue, is your one-stop shop for sports cards, memorabilia, autographs, gaming, and collectibles. I've been able to load up on my Michael Jordan cards since the shop opened last year. They have college and NFL games on in the store every weekend and a bunch of cool events, sometimes featuring former Gator players like Percy Harvin. Their NFL weekly pick them is free and fun with weekly prizes and a season-long prize so check out the mealy pop shop at 3700 northwest 91st street gainesville florida or call at 352-204-5573 
Welcome back into the show. You heard Mullen at the start of this podcast discussing Florida's win over Vanderbilt in his postgame press conference. After he left the podium, he had some additional comments to me and some of the other reporters. Here's what he had to say about the performance from his defense and some of the guys who stood out on the offensive side of the ball. I think part of it helps you're playing a backup quarterback, you know, with, with decision-making, with all of that stuff, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I mean, I know how tough that is uh, to do, you know, how to do it. And, uh, uh, you know, so I think that helps with us being able to get pressure on him, decision-making, you know, and be able to get to the quarterback helps. And, but, uh, but you know, I also think you see the young guys getting more experience and making plays. Coming off last week's performance to start the game, Vanderbilt doesn't get seven of their first third-down attempts, and I think it was one for 12 until the last series. Just how key was that? Well, I think guys got a, took a little pride in that, you know what I mean, of making sure we finish and get off the field. I think Todd and the staff did a great job. I mean, I, I, you know, when you look after the game and say, hey, this is a factor that we got to – we yeah. can't – that is not good. We fixed it. Mm-hmm. And then Donovan Steiner, can you just speak to his knack for being at the right place? At the great right job. Well, he's a smart player. He's got great length and size and athleticism. You saw that on those plays. You know, I mean, his size and his athletic ability comes into effect. And, uh, plus, intelligence makes put himself in position to make those plays. I was saying it was three shutouts first time by the Gators since '88. Oh, wow. It's never been a big deal for Coach Furrier, though, I don't think, right? But he, that wasn't really his deal. I'm going to bet this. When he walks down the hallway on Monday, he's going to look in and he's going to say, hey, I mean, he'll give us a wink about how, how we threw the ball today and he'll be pretty happy about that. He'll probably walk in, though, and say great job to the defense. He'll make sure he gets in. His last Vandy game, they won by 58, though. So I got to hear that. <laughs> well, Evan missed this field goal. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Blame it on Evan. Blame it on Evan. Was there frustration at halftime, though? Not at all, because it wasn't frustration as much as the the finish. It was what I didn't want. What I—that's what you didn't want to lead it to, which is frustration. Which is, hey man, come on! Like I mean, it was they they hadn't slowed us down once, but we can't. We got to finish and can't make the mistakes at the end. We got to execute the entire way into the end zone. Um, And so it, it wasn't really. I mean. You're, you're frustrated then, boy, we could have, we'd be at 35 nothing right now. So that, but it wasn't like a frustration of any of the guys. It was like, come on, I mean, we're, we're playing at a high level. We've got to keep doing that. What did you think of Emory's performance? Three really good. Touchdowns. Really good. You know, came in. I mean, I told you, we've had a plan. We want to get him in, do some different things. He's known that. Uh, Sorry, for the last couple of weeks. And just, you know, as the game plays out, we don't. And, you know, what this was, we're able to get him in, not just, you know, not get him in early, get him in as part of the plan and, and go execute. And, and he, he he did some nice things out there. You know, Trey Dean's been struggling a bit. Had a good day. You know, well, I think a lot, you know, I mean, it's trying to get his confidence, get him going, to get him playing at a high level again. I mean, he played last year outside. Uh, you know, won, we won 10 games, right? In the New Year's Six Bowl with him having to play corner out last year for us. Uh, trying to get him back into the groove um, of, of getting that confidence, you know? And, and uh, so trying to put him where, maybe put him there where he had confidence last year and he had some, he, I thought he did a pretty good job with, with Marco selling in at the start, do you think Trey will play out there more often? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, it's, would like to. I mean, I don't know. Go ask the training staff who you know who can actually play in a game next week for us. You know, I mean, I, mean, I was looking at the numbers, and I mean, it was it was really interesting. And probably how many scholarship guys we have to actually go play is not a ton right now. Yeah. You know, of, of uh, just with all the injuries we've had, it may have been in the 60s. Just wow. To, to follow up with Dean, there was a rumor report that he left the team, and you guys had to talk him back in to come in and stay in. Is that? Yeah. No, I mean, no. He's 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 dealing with some stuff, some personal 
emotional stuff uh, as well. And, you know, and I think a lot of that weighs on them. You know, these guys are young guys, and there's a lot of pressure put on them. They, and they put a lot of pressure on themselves. And, you know, as one of those things of just making sure in his focus, he's where, where it needs to be. Um, to continue to improve and to continue to gain confidence and go play. How true is that to, to kind of, you know, no, it's, preach it's, patience, I, mean, guys, I guess, to the These guy. guys are 19 years old yeah. with immense pressure put on them and immense pressure by – not negative towards you yet, but you, it's, it's like it starts with you and then it, and it spreads into social media and everything, you know, I mean, comment. And, you know, these are 19-year-old kids uh, trying to deal with it and grow and, and perform. And they put a lot on themselves to want to succeed. So, uh, you know, I think part of it, he's, he's struggled a little bit at, at, at times this year. So we're trying to get his confidence where it needs to be to get him playing at an extremely high level again. Mahmoud Diabate also met with reporters following his big performance. The freshman linebacker discussed how he's been able to get more playing time this season and make the most of his opportunity, with Saturday being the latest example. I feel great about it. It was a pretty good performance, so I'm proud of myself for it. What do you feel like was clicking out there for you today defensively? I feel like Coach Grantham called a great game. Um, the rest of my teammates, the DBs, had great coverage. And uh, Granada off the other side, all that stuff helped me do what I was able to do. I feel like we were doing what we needed to do in practice following what Coach Mullen said. We had the great intensity in practice. I feel like that showed when we came on the field today. What's been working for you this season, do you feel like, and how you've been coming along and just getting the plans out? I feel like it's just been, you know, my teammates helping me, Moon, Grenard, Zoo. Uh, Coach Grantham, all those people helped me develop over the over the season. I feel like that's been the biggest thing. What was the biggest area of your game you feel like you had to kind of get clicking in order to get that, that opportunity on the field? Just being mature, you know, learning my plays, being able to execute when it's time to execute, just doing your job, knowing that you don't have to make every play, you have to do your job. How much do you pride yourself on your speed as an edge rusher? You look like you're flying sometimes, man. I feel like that's my biggest asset, so that's always what I want to do. I want to use my speed, and then if that doesn't work, I'm going to find a counter move to use. But that's the biggest. That's my biggest strength, so my coaches make sure that I know that I need to use that. What was the biggest adjustment for you at the college level? Uh, probably just bigger linemen, bigger, stronger linemen. Everyone's bigger and stronger, so you just have to get used to it, really. You have to get bigger and stronger yourself. What did you think on that third sack? When you, did you know that you caused the fumble? No, I didn't actually know until I, I heard everybody cheering. I thought they were just cheering for the sack. Then I saw Bernard <laughs> running. Then so I was like, oh, snap, let me run too. So I got up. I started chasing him, but he was going pretty fast, so I couldn't get him. So I just turned to the sideline and celebrated. You were moving, though. Yeah, I tried to get him. But I what was that feeling to turn your head around and see him taking off down the field? It was like, yes, because I was like, man, we got to get him out. We got to find a way to make sure they don't score because we want to shut him out. So I was like, let me see if I can get a sack and just get him out of field goal range. I wasn't really thinking about a strip sack. But then when I came off the end, he wasn't looking. You know, he's a right-handed quarterback. So I was from his blind side. So I was like, let me just take a swipe at it. But I just thought I sacked him. And then I looked up, saw John running. So I was like, oh, wow. Vanderbilt started the game. They didn't convert any third downs. They were 0 for 7. Yeah, I thought that gave us confidence because we were like, okay, we're stopping these boys. After one, they were just like dominoes, like two, three, four. They were like, all right, we got this. Like, we're locking them up. Coach Grantham calling great plays, players making great plays, Steiner, two picks, DBs locking up the whole game. So, like, we just felt like we were in our mojo. How much did the third down struggles last week make this defense angry in practice for the last week? I definitely made us angry because I felt like we felt like if we would have done, done a better job, we could have won the game. But, you know, it was in the past. We just looked forward to the future, make sure didn't, we, we didn't want it. We, we did not want it to happen again, so we had to do what we had to do.
That'll do it for the latest edition of Locked on Gators. On today's show, I recap my five keys to the game, took out my report card and graded Florida's performance over Vanderbilt, and brought you some post-game comments from Mullen and Diabate. On tomorrow's show, we'll continue to break down this Florida-Vandy game and also look at Gator basketball's loss to Florida State over the weekend. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.